Hi, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. In a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, and we try to become the best versions of ourselves that we can as we try to continue to serve our Lord Master. Today's podcast uh, is kind of a simple topic, but it's kind of complex at the same time. We hear about it a lot. We say we should do it a lot, but no one really tells us how to do it. Right. So we really don't hear a lot of sermons preached on how to do this. And what I'm talking about is how can I learn? Not even how can I learn? How how do I ask for forgiveness? How do I ask for forgiveness? Because, you know, sometimes, you know, we say when we repent, you know, we should ask the Lord for forgiveness. And then if necessary, we should ask forgiveness of a brother or sister or something like that. But. Uh, it's not really shown how we should do that. And what we want to do, we want to look at the right way how to do it, but we also want to look at the wrong way of how to ask for forgiveness. And trust me, there is, according to the scripture, there is a wrong way to ask for forgiveness. And it all goes about with uh, with your motives. And we'll look at that when we get there. Um, but before we start, again, if you're new to the podcast, you can listen to it on Spotify uh, look, you can listen to it on iTunes, on YouTube as well, and you can also follow uh, follow it on Twitter uh, as well, and also on Instagram. And so we ask that you know we continue to support the gospel. You know, it's not about me, it's not about what I do, it's not about what anybody else does. It's about supporting the gospel and trying to help people grow, and, and that's the goal of this podcast. And I hope that's your goal as you try. Uh, to grow with me as we work together through this podcast. All right, so let, let's get started here. How can I learn to ask for forgiveness? Or how do I ask for forgiveness? Or what do I need to do to ask for forgiveness, right? Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And we're actually going to look at this man first. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And again, if you're new to the podcast, what we like to do is we like to use the Bible for all of our examples. And for all of uh, our knowledge of what we're going to talk about today. So the Bible is going to be what we're going to use to study uh, our topics. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And we're, we're going to look at the life of, of Saul, of King Saul. Now we all know, if you don't know, Saul, he was anointed and he was chosen by God to be the king over Israel at this time. Now, here in 1 Samuel chapter 15, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but let me give you just a little bit of background so we can kind of understand, all right? Then we'll get into our text. But in 1 Samuel chapter 15, basically Samuel tells, well, the Lord tells Samuel to tell Saul, look, you need to go to Agag, and once you go to Agag, I want you to utterly destroy everything. When you go to this nation, don't bring anything back. Don't bring any spoils back. Utterly destroy everything. Don't bring anything back. All right, cool. So then Saul goes, and this is where we're left at here. So when Saul goes, not only does he destroy everything, but he also brings back the king, and then he listens to the people, and then they bring back the best of the sheep, the best of other things as well. Now, let's actually start. Now, this is where we start. 1 Samuel 15, and let's actually start in verse number 14. All right. So remember, he says, destroy everything. Saul brings stuff back, right? Now, this is where we're at. Chapter uh, 15, verse 14. Then Samuel the prophet said, what meaneth this bleeding of sheep in my ear? Or why do I hear sheep? Then why do I hear the lowing of oxen? Then verse number 15. And Saul said, 
they which have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen and a sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest were utterly destroyed. Stop right there. You see what Saul did there? He said, look, I did what you wanted me to do. I utterly destroyed all the people. But my people brought these back. So the responsibility isn't on me. I'm going to pull that plausible deniability card on you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what people do. Oh, I did my part, but I got nothing to do with what they do, right? But wasn't the command to utterly destroy everything and not bring anything back? And let me ask you this question. If the people said, no, let's bring back all this stuff, who was the king? Was it the people or was it Saul? I think it was Saul, right? So shouldn't he have had the authority to tell them, no, we're not bringing that back because that's not what the Lord wants. Secretly, what did Saul want? He probably wanted those sheep, didn't he? Secretly, Saul probably wanted those oxen, didn't he? Secretly, Saul probably wanted to bring the king back to humiliate him, didn't he? But he pulls that plausible deniability. He says, you know what? I'll let the people bring them back. Then when Samuel asks, I'll just blame it on the people so that I can go off debt free. That's what we do sometimes when we fall into sin, whether it's between brethren and Christ, whether it's whatever. When we fall into sin, this is what we try to do. We try to find some way to make myself look good and to make someone else look terrible. And you do that when you've been caught. Okay, so Samuel calls out Saul. So Saul could have said, you know what, I should repent. But what does he do instead? Let me go, let me try to find somebody to blame right quick. Let me blame the people. So all of it won't. You see, this is what happens. Sometimes when we fall into sin and we get caught, we want to bring people down with us. Well, I wasn't the only one. He did it. I wasn't the only one. He laughed at it. I wasn't the only one. She did it. You see what I'm saying? We try to bring somebody else down with us. Right? My, my parents always used to say, you're big and bad when you do it. You should be big and bad when someone approaches you and says you were wrong. Right? You're prideful when you were doing it. Where, where's all that gumption when you when you get called out? You see what I'm saying? So that's what that's what's happening here in First Samuel chapter 15. Now let's let's keep going. And we're we're gonna get into the text here. We're gonna get to some practical stuff, but we gotta understand what the text is talking about here, all right? So let, let's keep going. Go with me here. Now let, let's jump down to verse uh, 16. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said, Say on. And Samuel said, When you were a little in thy sight, weren't you made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king. So Samuel saying the same thing. Aren't you king over these people? So how come you can't control what they do? Aren't you the king? Then verse verse 18, And the Lord sent thee on a journey, and the Lord said to you, Go and destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them till they are consumed. Verse 19, Wherefore, thou did not obey the voice of the Lord, but you did fly upon the spoil, and you did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then verse, verse 20, watch this. Verse 20, And Saul said to Samuel, Yes, what are you talking about? I did obey the voice of the Lord. You see what he's doing there? He's trying to pull that card again. I didn't bring I didn't bring that back. The people brought it back. I fulfilled my part of the command, 
But the people that were with me, no, it was it was their fault. You see, we always try to blame somebody. Now, this is going to get into our topic of how to ask for forgiveness in just a second. But we got to get some background here, okay? Then let's, let's jump to verse 21. Then the people took other spoil and the sheep and the oxen and the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed and the sacrifice. Verse 22. But Samuel said, Hath the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying in the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as the iniquity and idolatry. Because you rejected the word of the Lord, the Lord has rejected thee from being king. Now watch verse 24. This is this is big. Verse 24. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, if you just read this text, you would say, well, Saul, Saul did the right thing. Saul said, I, I sinned. I Saul said, I transgressed because I feared the people. Saul should be good. Not necessarily. See, Saul's smart. Saul's playing a card here. What card is he playing? Watch this. Verse 23. Here's the situation. Samuel gets into Saul's face. And he says, you're wrong. You're rebellious and you're doing this because of idolatry. Then because he got caught, he says, I sinned. But notice this. Saul said unto Samuel, verse 24, I have sinned. Keep that in mind really quick. Now, turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 12. And someone else is going to be put in the exact same situation as Saul, but a different outcome. Watch this. Second uh, Samuel chapter 12. Now remember, David finds himself in that sin with Bathsheba, right? So he looks at her, sees her, wants her. She's a married woman, brings her, kills her husband, says all these lies and does all this just to keep it covered. But then Nathan comes and tells him the parable. And he says, look, you're the man. You're the person I'm talking about. Now watch how David does this. Same situation here, right? Is Samuel a prophet? Yes. Is Nathan a prophet? Yes. Is Saul a king? Yes. Is David a king? Yes. Did Saul sin? Yes. Did David sin? Yes. You see those similarities? But now everything's the same on both sides. But watch the difference. Verse uh, number, if we go to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12, verse 13. Now watch this. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned, watch this, against the Lord. So we talking about learning to ask for forgiveness. Number one, you have to have godly sorrow. You see, both David and both Saul did things in secret. Both of them were called on it publicly. But the difference between David and the difference between Saul is that David, when he was called out on it, David said, I sinned and he knew who he sinned against. He sinned against God. See, having godly sorrow, that's a part of forgiveness. Watch this. Go to, let me look at this text here. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 
2 Corinthians chapter 7. And look at verse number 10. And notice what it says here. It says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. Here's what one commentator wrote about this. He said, The person who feels that he can't rest because he sinned against God, he will find mercy. But the sorrow of the world, if you're sorry because you lost something, if you're sorry because you lost goods, if you're sorry because you lost a position, if you're sorry because you lost a person, if you're sorry because you lost a friend, if you're sorry because you lost certain things and you want it back, you're just going to say sorry so you can get it back. You see, there's a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow is no matter what I've done. I know I sin because I sinned against God and I have to get right with him. Worldly sorrow is I'm just sorry I got caught. Now, since I got caught, I got to make it right. Well, Jordan, how can you say that? Thank you for asking. Let's let's keep going with the text. Go back to first Samuel chapter 15. Now, look at the difference. Saul said in verse number 24 of chapter 15, I have sinned. Did he say he sinned against the Lord? Uh-uh. He just said, I, I sinned. Well, Jordan, you don't know Saul's heart. Saul could have really been sorry. Let's keep reading the text. We're going to look more into Saul's heart. Verse number 25. Watch this. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with you. For you rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord hath rejected thee. From being king over Israel. And Samuel turned to go away. And he laid rent. And he put uh, the skirt of his mantle. And he rent it. Then verse 28. And Samuel said to him. Watch this. The Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day. And hath given it to a neighbor of thine. That is better than you. And the strength of Israel will not lie. Nor repent. For he is not a man that he should repent. Now. Watch verse number 30. Then he said, talking about Saul, I have sinned. He says it twice, right? But does he ever acknowledge that he sinned against God? Nope. Well, Jordan, you, you still don't know his heart. You, he still, he really could have been sorry. Here's his heart. And he said, I have sinned. Watch verse 30. Yet honor me now. I pray thee before the elders of my people and before Israel and turn with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. Whoa. So did we just get into Saul's heart here? Notice this. (laughs) Saul only says I sinned because Samuel started taking junk away from his life. Samuel said, the kingdom's going to be taken from you. Your honor's going to be taken from you. Your power is going to be taken from you. And your kingdom is going to be taken away from you. Notice Saul, when Saul notices that things start to be taken away. All right, let, let me let me say I sin real quick so I can get it back. You see, that's worldly sorrow. You, you repent or you ask for forgiveness just so you can get everything that you had before back. That's not how this works. 
here, notice, notice what he says. He says, honor me now before the elders of my people and turn again with me. And notice this. Here's the kicker. That I may worship the Lord your God. He doesn't even claim God is his. So let's get into our topic. How do I ask for forgiveness? Number one. You have to have godly sorrow. You have to know. That regardless of what I've done. Regardless of what you've done. You've got to know. I hurt God. Forget my position. Forget what people say about me. Or will say about me. All I care about. Is I have to get right with God. That is godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is. Because I got caught, let me make it up real quick so everything can be chill again. That's not how this works. That's not how God works. And here's the thing about forgiveness that way. A lot of people get away with that. Here's what happens. They say those things and they repent and they ask for forgiveness. But they do it only so they can get things back. Here's a lesson that I've learned. I learned this lesson. When you ask for forgiveness from a brother, when you ask for forgiveness from a sister, when you ask for forgiveness for the church or whatever, things may not go back to how they were. You may have to deal with consequences. When you ask for forgiveness of God, will he forgive you? No doubt. But are you going to have to deal with consequences? Yeah. You may have to learn humility still. You may have to learn... uh, Whatever, it's how to be humble. You got to learn a lot of things. But things aren't going to go back the way that they used to be just because you asked for forgiveness. It's not a quick fix. I remember when I was a kid, you remember those old VCRs? And you remember they had that rewind button? And you could always, boop, you could always press it and the tape would go really quick and it would rewind back right where it was. When I was a kid, when I did something wrong to my parents, when I did something wrong to a friend, when I did some, something wrong, what I would do is I would say, wait, hold up, stop real quick. I would pretend to press a rewind button so I can go back five seconds to before uh, what I did, right? I tried to rewind it so everything that's happening now won't happen. That's, that's how I thought in my mind. But that's how we think sometimes. We think just because we asked for forgiveness that we have the right to have everything that we had back. That's, that's, not, that's not how God works. Well, how do you know that? Remember David, did David truly repent? Yes. But did David have to deal with consequences? Yeah. There was always a sword in his house. Somebody was always after him. Somebody was always fighting. David had to deal with certain things because he lived the way that he did. That's what we have to remember too. Is even though we ask for forgiveness, we don't have the right to get what we had back. Just because we ask for forgiveness. You may have to learn some humility. You may have to learn how to treat people better. You may have to learn how to be more uh, more Christ-like. But the Lord uses that to help you to become better. You understand that? And so this is what's happening with Saul here. Saul just said, I sinned so he can look good in front of the people. Oh, well, he's, he's really sorry. You know, I remember I used to do stuff like that. 
even when I was a kid, I would always want to look good in front of somebody. I never wanted to be the bad guy. I never wanted to take responsibility for what I did. But growing up, I had to learn, look, regardless of what anybody thinks of me, regardless of what I've done, I have to say to the Lord, look, I'm sorry. I repent. Now, when I said that, did he forgive me? For sure he did. But were things always easy for me after he forgave me? No, nah, man, things were hard because he had to keep teaching me. Look, you can't do that. You got to be better. This you got to do this better. You got to do that better. Right. So I had to learn not to be prideful like Saul. I had to learn uh, not to be this way like Saul. I had to learn humility. And the Lord uses that to help us to. And that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is an act of humility. It is not an act of doing something so you can look good again. It's an act of, I'm sorry. First of all, I'm sorry to God. Then second of all, I'm sorry to you. And from this point forward, I'm going to do my best to do the best that I can. So how do you learn to ask for forgiveness? Here's the three steps. Number one, you have to have godly sorrow. If you don't truly, if you're not just sorrowful that you hurt God, you will never truly repent. You could say it verbally all day. Let's bring this example. Girls, let's bring the girls into this. Girls, let's say you're dating a guy, right? And this guy, he says, I love you all the time. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, right? And he says the right things. But when it comes down to it, he doesn't show it. Girls, does he love you? No, he's just saying the right things, right? We do the same thing to God. Oh, God, I repent. God, I'm sorry. God, will you forgive me? Right? We say the right things, but then we don't live like we're sorry. We just want what we had back. That doesn't happen. We can't do that. So number one, you got to have godly sorrow. Then number two, you have to ask for forgiveness the right way. Saul said, I sinned. He said the right thing just so he can get his position back. David, he said, I sinned against God. That's how you ask for forgiveness because you have to know who you transgress. The Bible says sin is a transgression of God's law. So when you transgress that law, you have to know you transgress that law. Here's how you know you're, you're in a bad spot. When you know you transgress that law and you try to justify why you transgress that law. That's how you know mentally you're not right. That's how you know you're prideful. Well, Jordan, how can you say that? Because I was that way. I used to do that. When I would sin or when I would transgress, I would try to make an excuse of why I did it. Well, well, they didn't do this and I wouldn't have. Or if they didn't say that, then I, it's on me. I had to learn it's on me. Stop blaming everybody else. It's on me, right? And so if that's you, when you transgress God's law and you try to make excuses of why you transgress God's law, you're prideful. You're prideful and you got to get out of that. Because if you don't, sin will become callous to you and you'll go farther and farther and farther and farther and farther. And you never think whatever you do is wrong. 
you always think it's somebody else's fault. But you got to say, it's on me. It's my fault. You got to take responsibility, right? Then number three, the last step is you have to repent because it's the right thing to do. Don't repent just so you can get your stuff back. And so if we repent just to get our stuff back, we have we don't have godly sorrow. We have worldly sorrow. We're just sorry we got caught. And so we're just saying it just so we can look good in front of everybody else. Here's one thing that I realized. Godly sorrow doesn't worry about what other brethren think about me. Godly sorrow doesn't matter or it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of me. Godly sorrow, you're only worried about how you're viewed in the eyes of God. Hence the name itself, godly sorrow. But worldly sorrow, you only repent. You only ask for forgiveness. You only say, I'm sorry, just so you can look good in front of the people, just like Saul. Well, Jordan, how, you know, you're sounding really mean. You sound like you're trying to call people. I'm doing this because I'm telling you, this is how I used to be. And that's not the type of, it, it only hurts you. It only hurts you. But taking responsibility, that helps you. It really does. It's not fun, <laughs> you know, like it's not fun and it's not fun dealing with the consequences, but it's it's what's best. It's what's best. And so here, here's one warning that I would give about forgiveness is you could say all the right things. Just like Saul. You could verbally repent and do all this stuff, right? And you can trick me. You could trick God's people. You could trick a lot of people. But one person that you are not fooling. No matter if you bring on the waterworks. It doesn't matter what you do. You can make a whole fiasco out of it. But if you do not repent the right way. The Lord which searched the heart. He knows. You can play me. You could play. You could play everybody. You're not gonna. You're not gonna play God. And so instead of playing this game with him, just do what he says. Let's just let's all just do what he says. And, and real quick, we're not gonna look at all these verses, but here's here's just a couple references that I wanted to give you guys about pride. And that's what this all boils down to. Like in Proverbs um, chapter thirteen, verse ten, you know it says, "Only pride comes contention." But with the well-advised is wisdom. Then in, in Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, and then in uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 29, verse 23, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. But then here's the here's the big one here. Proverbs eight thirteen, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do i hate and so do you see why pride isn't something that we should be you know messing around with well jordan this is this is one of your more, more serious podcasts this is one of your most uh you're kind of sounding a little bit unloving today i'm saying it because i don't want you guys to be in that space like saul to where once you get to the point like Saul to where you blame everybody else why you did what you did, nothing will ever be your fault. And in a sense, 
you make yourself God. Because I well, I can't be wrong. I, I can't. Nah. Just take it. Just like David. Now that David had to deal with the consequences. Yeah, he did. But guess who was always with him? God was. But notice this really quick. If you go to the text. Back to 1 Samuel 15. See, Samuel wasn't playing with Saul. And God's not playing with Saul. And God's not going to play with us. And notice what happens here. Because Samuel was playing with this, look what happens. Verse number uh, verse number 30, 31 to the end of the chapter. Watch this. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord. And Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to the house of Gibeah uh, of Saul. And Samuel, watch verse 35. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he made Saul king over Israel. So we got two choices. You can either have godly sorrow and you have the heart of God, just like David, a man after God's own heart. Or you can have worldly sorrow and the Lord is going to repent for you. Do you want that? Can you imagine the Lord saying that about you? The Lord repented that he made Jordan a preacher. The Lord repented that he made such and such this or this or that you know how scary that is kind of you know just to think about that and so i just want to encourage you today how do i ask for forgiveness it's all about motive and it's all about attitude it's not about what you say or how you say it it's about motive and your attitude towards god and so i hope today you can you can truly repent you can truly ask for forgiveness not to look good not to get what you had back but to do it because I know that God is pleased. And if you do that, I promise you, you and I will be men and women after God's own heart. Thank you.